You're listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law. Today we're talking about the risks lurking in your inbox. Now let's be honest, how many of us have been involved in or perhaps just heard about some sort of email disaster? You're lucky if you're someone who's only just heard about it rather than actually been involved in it. An accidental use of reply all perhaps or maybe an unintended reply rather than forward or sometimes maybe even just a heat of the moment reply that was too easy to send before waiting for rational thought processes to return. The issue is that the new email environment that we live in sees us swamped by more and more emails every day. I mean, my email is streaming with unopened emails, as I'm sure everyone is listening today. And this has changed the way we do business, and it's also introduced a whole new set of risks. So emails are seen as less formal than other forms of business communication and documentation. People are more candid, and they're less thoughtful about what they write. If you look at the process of writing an email versus writing a letter, you'll see that people attack the process in completely different ways. And so as emails have become the primary medium for how we communicate, they've started to create an increasing volume of business documentation. But this has also led to the fact that email management is now creating a legal nightmare for businesses. So not only do we have the issues involved in people seeing emails and the way they develop emails and send them as different to how much thought they would give, say, for example, a letter, if they were typing a letter and then sending it out in the old post. We've also got this issue of volume that means that the management of this volume is creating more difficulties than ever before. So I'm often asked what legal significance an email holds. From an evidence perspective, email is a business document and it holds the same legal and evidentiary weight as any other business document at all. So it can provide very important proof if there's ever a disagreement. However, emails can also pose a large issue if a corporate email policy is weak or not strictly enforced or when emails just simply can't be found when they're needed. If you're a bit of a delete the entire inbox kind of person, it might be interesting for you to note some stunning examples of the possible costs of failing to keep important email documentation. The case of Zubalaki and UBS Warburg is one of my favourites. It's an American case, but it demonstrates the point well. So this case related to an employment discrimination dispute. A number of crucial emails at the time of the dispute went missing or were deleted over time. But this had a stunning result in which the court then assumed that the missing emails would have been damaging, even though they had never been seen by the court. And the court then awarded an eye-watering verdict of more than $29 million in damages and harsh sanctions. Think about that, $29 million. So I think it's a fabulous example of What perhaps is an outcome that may not be achieved in the same magnitude here in Australia, 
but it certainly demonstrates the point well of the issues that can be created if emails within your organization that are important potentially to your organization or to something that might happen in the future are not kept or are unable to be found. So the greatest risks created by email can, I think, be broken down into four main categories. Number one, the increasing opportunity for contractual risk. So contracts can be formed by email. There's no reason why they can't. Standards can be defined in email. Terms in a contract can be varied by email. Concessions can be made. Rights can be waived. Your legal position can be blown out of the water by accident. If your organisation doesn't have a policy for what things can go in email and what things can't, and proper guidelines on what staff have the right to make decisions on and about via email, and if you don't have this policy adequately reflected in the terms of your contracts with suppliers, clients and business partners, you're leaving the gates open for the floodwaters to seep in. So the second main category of risk is the potential for loss of a business's intellectual property. This is because email technology makes it possible for confidential information to be leaked out of your office at the mere press of a button. After taking the steps of locking down information so it can only be accessed by staff who really require it, on a broader scale, education, communication and the correct legal documents being in place are key. So the third area of risk created by email is the difficulty in finding documentation to prove your case and skyrocketing legal costs in disputes if you need to trawl back through emails to find this evidence that's stuck in emails. When our clients come to us in relation to any dispute, the first thing we need is all of the supporting documents and all of the trail of information. If your case is reliant on you finding information recorded from multiple people who recorded that information in multiple ways, your case is doomed or you might spend the next six years looking for all of that information. Emails can provide proof, but providing that supporting documentation when it has been captured in emails or when it's scattered in various different areas is generally very expensive and very time consuming. And what happens if the people who are involved with the matter have now left the organisation? What happens if you need a copy of one email that was sent six years ago to prove your case? Where do you start looking? And how accessible are these emails in tight timeframes? This is the reality of dealing with the massive amount of information that we now have. But there's no point just thinking it's too big an issue to deal with. Later on, in a few minutes, I'll talk about ways that you can deal. But the first thing to do is just to be aware of the fact that the increasing volume of information that all organisations are now dealing with has created the need for better systems and better management of important information that is um, contained within these emails. And the fourth area I wanted to look at today is failing to meet compliance requirements. Many email documents could be categorised as documentation that's actually required to be retained from a compliance perspective. So if you don't have a solid document retention policy in place, or you haven't even thought about the issues of retention through emails, you're risking potential breaches of legislation, which can have large consequences. 
So we've talked about the risks. I now want to talk about the steps that you can take to reduce these risks that emails pose to you, your job and your organisation. So the first element, which you're working on right now by listening to this podcast, is get educated. Make sure you're aware of the issues. Also, make sure you're aware of things like statutory retention periods. Not only do you need to understand what documents you need to keep and how long you need to keep them for, but then you need to work out how you're going to ensure that you can find them in the future. It's not well known, but every organisation in Australia has an obligation to retain data. The Financial Transactions Act requires retention of financial data for five years. HR regulations stipulate seven years. The Corps Act requires various records are retained for seven years. And indeed, it imposes fines of up to $200,000 and 10 years prison for breaches of various provisions of the Act. In relation to contracts and contract breaches, you should be keeping all critical information relating to contracts for at least six years after their termination. And the list goes on. I've only just talked about some regulatory requirements, but there may be many more for your business depending on what your organisation does. So it's important that your organisation understands its obligations, both from a regulation perspective and from a contractual perspective. And you need to make sure you take this into account when creating systems within the business. So the second action area that you can take to reduce the risk that emails pose to you in your job is to create systems relating to how and what information in emails needs to be saved. So you need to think about what systems should be in place to ensure that you're tackling some of the risks that we talked about earlier on. You need to ensure that staff know that anything that is important that has been sent through email or confirmed by email needs to be recorded in a way that is searchable and findable by others in the future. Some organisations have a good process of dealing with emails so they can keep this information within their email structure as long as they have a very clear way of being able to find that information into the future. Bearing in mind when you might be trying to find them in the future might be six years on when you've had a million other emails that relate to a similar topic or it might relate to people who have sent or received emails who are no longer within the organisation. So my recommendation is that anything that is important is taken out of the email environment and is saved in a special environment that ties to the contracts or the relevant areas so that it can be found in the future whenever it's required. So the third action area for us to look at is to formulate a company policy on emails. So a policy in an organisation doesn't necessarily have to be a formal written policy, although that's a great idea, but a policy certainly has to be something that the organisation has thought about and ideally talked about. So the sorts of things that you should be thinking about when you're thinking about what should be the policy within an organisation for emails should be things like the tone that's to be used in emails, things that can and can't be sent via email, the proper sign-off protocols for decision-making, and what types of emails are to be saved and to how, how to file those properly, as I talked about in the earlier point. Another area to think about here is also an email destruction policy, governing what types of emails must never be deleted, 
and what types of emails may be deleted. One example of a policy or a type of system that you might be able to use within an organisation that I've seen implemented at times is the one-minute safety hold on the sending of emails, which essentially works from a technology perspective by your email technology holding back emails for a set period of time, say, for example, one minute, from the period of time that someone press send to the period of time that your email system actually sends out that email. So that safety block essentially means that people have a small space of time to act as a buffer in case they've actually realised that they pressed reply when they meant to press forward or if they suddenly realised that perhaps what they said was in the heat of the moment and should be addressed in a completely different way. So one minute safety hold, a fairly easy thing for organisations to implement internally if you have the right technology in place. The other thing that I suggest is that you might want to have conversations with your staff to share examples of big errors that have been made within the company with emails. Just start talking to people and you'll find that everyone's got a story about something that they have done or something that they've seen go spectacularly wrong with emails. Real life examples are the best and the most memorable reminders of the risk. And there's so many out there. As I said, just start talking about it and examples will flood in. And this is a great conversation then to have in an organisation between members of staff as a real reminder of the risks in emails which really helps people from a practical perspective think twice before they press that send button. Okay, so my fourth action point in this area is to ensure that you have adequate protections in your contracts and particularly in employment contracts with your staff. Confidentiality and intellectual property ownership should be a key provision of your agreements with your employees and contractors and where your information is particularly vulnerable or valuable, these conditions should be contained in separate standalone documents. So the important thing is that you ensure that you have contractual protection if you later find that things have been sent out from your organisation in a way that you didn't intend. And the fifth and last action area that I want to talk about today is to introduce practices that strengthen your systems. For example, remind your employees of the importance of confidentiality, at least annually. Remind them of what can never be sent out via email. And lastly, when you have staff leaving, take adequate precautions to ensure that you remind them about their confidentiality obligations and also ensure that they don't have the opportunity to leak sensitive or confidential information. But often taking that step of reminding them of their obligations is really all it takes. And it's certainly an easy thing to do with an employee at the time that they're exiting. So that's it for today. Just a quick recap. In this episode, we talked about the new email environment that we live in that sees us swamped by more and more emails every day that has changed the way we do business and introduced this whole new set of risk. We talked about these risks as the contractual risks, so the risk of staff accidentally seeing contractual obligations for the business or waiving contractual rights of the business by pressing send too quickly before they thought about the issue deeply enough or got the right people involved. Secondly, we talked about the potential for loss of IP in a business through the ease of which people in an organisation can send information out. 
Thirdly, we talked about the difficulty of finding important evidence sitting in emails when we might need to unearth them years after they've been sent, or worse still, if the people involved in the email trail are no longer around. And finally, we talked about the failure to meet compliance requirements. And I guess the important thing to say is that um, this is over and above just the pure embarrassment from an organisation perspective that can be caused by one of the staff members sending something that they didn't intend the recipient to see. Look, at the end of the day, it comes down to this. Sitting on the side of the fence that I do, where we deal with negotiations, where we deal with document drafting and where we deal with disputes all day, the best advice I can give to businesses in which their employees communicate via email which, to be honest, is most organisations, is to ensure that their employees write every email as though it may one day end up as evidence in the courts and make sure everyone in the business views it in the same way. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like assistance with education in your work environment or assistance in designing systems to help reduce the risk posed by emails, head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au where you can book in a time to talk to one of our lawyers. At that website, you can also get a download of the transcript from this podcast episode. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening in to Talking Law. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.